Welcome to Practical Christian Living. We begin to get an idea that there is a different perspective from God on death. That when we watch someone die, they die to us, but they live on. For the believer and follower of Jesus, death isn't the end. It's the transition from life on this earth to eternity with Christ. Even though we know this is true and we believe it, it's hard. It's difficult to accept the death of our loved ones. It's painful. Know that God uses even death for His glory and can bring beauty out of the most tragic situations. We continue through Hebrews today with chapter 6. Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. It was 27 years ago last October. This next October will be our 28th anniversary as a church that we, we started with six people at Residence Inn just down the road, right before you get to Wilmot is Residence Inn on the right. That's where we had our very first study with six people. Well, immediately the church began to grow far beyond anything that we ever expected. And within a couple of months, we were across the street at the Smuggler's Inn, which now has been destroyed and apartments are in its place. But we had a couple of hundred people and the very first book that I began to teach was the book of John, the book that I've had you guys open up to today. And all of two months into it, at 25 years old, the very experienced pastor of two months, I taught all of the wisdom that was to be found in John chapter 11. And at the end of the study, I still remember feeling like, you know what, that was a good study. I think I really covered that passage well. I want to tell you now, 20, almost 20, well, 27 years later, as I look back at that young guy standing there proclaiming everything that is in the text, that I was clueless. In fact, there were a couple of things that I said that I disagree with. It's all right to disagree with people, but when you disagree with yourself, I don't know how good that is. There's a lot of things over the years that I have kind of changed my mind on as I've grown, as I've learned more of what the scriptures say. And I want to share with you this text again from a brand new perspective in my life because, because my wife went to be with the Lord. And that was tough, but it was also great because my wife went to be with the Lord. She went into the presence of Jesus. And I, I have gone through the difficulty of a major illness and losing someone that I love and trying to hold my family together and be there with my children as they deal with all of the grief. And through this passage, I hope to share a little bit of insight as to the struggle that I've had and where I have come to. Because I realize that for many of you, we're there last September, Lisa was teaching at the, at the women's conference, healthy and strong, and maybe there was some, some indications that she was beginning to weaken in September, but not much. She did a great job in the study that was there. She did a great job in putting together that woman's, that last woman's retreat. And who would have ever have known that just three months later, she would be on her deathbed and breathing her last breath. Well, this passage opens up and it starts off in verse one by saying, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, of the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, him who you love is sick. 
Lazarus was a friend of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Lazarus was not only a friend of Jesus during his earthly ministry, Lazarus was involved in that ministry. Mary and Martha were involved in taking care of Jesus, providing for his physical needs. We could say the cooking and the cleaning and caring for Jesus while he was out doing his ministry. They were part of that in being the team that Jesus had in going out and sharing the gospel. And wherever Jesus went, he touched and healed people. It was part of the sign that he was the Messiah. And so he touched people who were blind and he healed them. He, he brought paralytics up out of their beds. He even ran into a funeral procession and brought the guy back to life. And now you have someone who Jesus knows during his earthly ministry who is sick. Now, we don't know what this sickness is, but we know that the sickness is severe enough that it's going to cause Lazarus's death. He will deteriorate. Friends and family will gather together around his bed. They will try to make him as comfortable as they possibly can. He will get to the place where he is laboring and then he will breathe out his last breath, most likely with Mary and Martha around him, and he will die. And he is the friend of Jesus, the Messiah. And they will ask the question, if Jesus can heal the sick, why would Lazarus die? And I got to tell you that I've gone through the same thing. It was a year and only three months ago, year and four months ago, that my wife kind of had chest pains. And I took her to the hospital because I thought that perhaps she was having a heart attack. And they found that she had indigestion and they kind of took care of that. But they did a CAT scan when we were in the emergency room and they found something a little bit bigger than a boulder. Remember when you were a kid, you had marbles, you had boulders? So it sounds something about the size of a boulder in her lung. Just, and they thought, well, this could be something to be concerned about, but it might also be valley fever. If you live in Tucson for 20 years, you're probably going to get valley fever at some point. So they thought, you know, let's send you to a pulmonologist. We went to the pulmonologist and he said, yeah, could be valley fever, but let's go ahead and get a biopsy and we'll know. We took a biopsy and it came back as lung cancer. It's the most aggressive form of cancer that there is. And um, from there things went downhill from bad news to bad news. We did a PET scan and we found out that it wasn't just a, a, something in the lung, but it had also moved to the lymph nodes that were around the lung. And worse yet, we found that there was a spot in her stomach, which was disconnected from that area. If it was just in the area, it would be stage three. The spot in her stomach made it stage four, which means that it was in the lymph nodes, which means that it was being carried by the blood, which means that just going in with surgery and removing it would not take care of the issue. We then got some good news, remember? If you guys have been here with us during this time, we found out that she had a marker. We did a genetic test that showed that she had a marker for a targeted gene therapy. And she went on this new drug that targeted just this genetic, uh, this GFR genetic aspect. And you remember this time last year, all evidence of the cancer was gone. And we rejoiced in that. And I said to you then, I don't know whether the medicine is working or I don't know whether God has healed her, but I will rejoice that there, there's no evidence that she has cancer at this point. Now, I'm thankful for that. We had prayed together that God would give her more years. We had done that many times over the last year. God gave her another year and she was strong during the first part of that year. She was strong enough, as I said, to go to Hawaii with me. She worked out three times a week for the first six months. She went to Hawaii with me, ran up and down the beach with me. She taught the, at the women's conference. She cut the umbilical cord 
of my grandson in October, on October 15th. And I'm so thankful for, for all of that. But in the midst of it all, I'm saying to God, why is my wife sick? And, and as, as she began to turn in June, as it reappeared, and she began to get worse and worse, and, and I was thinking, okay, maybe God's not going to heal her. And maybe I've got another year with her. Maybe I've got another year and a half with her. I was just beginning to get my mind around that when in October she took a turn for the worst and then another turn for the worst and another turn for the worst. And I found myself standing in front of a doctor who said to me, she's not long for this earth. She's got a month maybe. And another doctor who said, we're talking days to weeks. And before I knew it, I'm by the edge of her bed and she's laboring to breathe. And I wonder, how can it be that God could do such miracles and we've seen him do so many things and we've called out to him, this church has called out to him, Calvary chapels all around the nation have been praying, churches in this town, pastors who are friends of mine, I got a message several times from Gil Garcia from Sun Life Chapel, telling me that their church has been praying for me. I got messages from all kinds of churches telling us, we're praying for your wife, we're praying for your wife. And yet she turns and she gets worse and worse and worse. Well, well, that's what I see in verse three of chapter 11. Therefore, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. They sent a message. We sent a message to God through prayer. They sent a message through an individual to Jesus. And, and Jesus, it says, when he heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, which is interesting because Lazarus would die from that sickness. So how could Jesus say this sickness is not unto death? And we begin to get an idea that there is a different perspective from God on death. That when we watch someone die, they die to us, but they live on. And so Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. And I've got to tell you that that's a hard statement. This, this sickness is not unto death, but Lazarus is going to deteriorate and he's going to get to the point where he labors to breathe and he's going to die so God can be glorified. Mary is going to grieve and Martha's going to grieve and the other family members so God can be glorified. And so my wife was taken from me so God could be glorified. It's not always an easy text to understand. And yet I say, but Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life. And I know that Lisa wanted to glorify God in all of what she went through. And so he says, the sickness is not unto death, but so that God could be glorified. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Isn't that an interesting verse? In the midst of what they're about to go through, Lazarus himself dying, Mary and Martha full of grief for their brother who dies unexpectedly. And it says Jesus loved them. In fact, it says he loved them. So verse six, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed for two more days in the place where he was. What? If you love somebody and you have the power to heal them, don't you immediately leave and heal them? If God loved me, wouldn't he heal my wife as we call out to God? If God loved her, wouldn't he heal her? 
Those of you that have gone through grief of a close loved one will understand what I've been going through for the last few days. We bought the home that we're in, I don't know what, 10, 12 years ago, somewhere around there. It was a four bedroom house when we bought it. We added on a couple of rooms. We actually turned the, the laundry room into a bedroom. We added another room on it. And we had all three of our kids were living there when we, we moved in. And slowly, the house now is just me and Chris. So when the family finally went just a few days ago, I found myself rattling around this big house by myself. And I'm laying in my back bed and it's the daytime, middle of the day. And I don't want to eat and I don't want to, I don't want to think. I don't want to, I'm trying not to think about her. And everywhere you walk through our house is her, you know, she, does, she did everything, all the decorations, everything she put, she put it all there. I didn't have anything. She wouldn't let me have anything to do with it. <laughs> it's funny, at the church, she would never have qualms about what, if I said, no, I don't want that, I want this. She would just immediately do, okay, fine. At home, I don't want that, I don't care. <laughs> and so I'm laying there and I'm just, I'm tearing up and I'm trying not to cry and I'm trying just to get, I'm just trying to get away from it. I don't know what I'm trying to do. And I roll over on my bed and I look out the door and framed on the wall is a cross that somebody from the church gave us. It says, God loves you. Now, I've been a pastor for 27 years. I pastored this church for 27 years. You guys have given us a lot of things over the years. Some of it's awesome. Some of it's not so awesome. <laughs> some of it we've taken and, and, and we've hung up in our room. And some of it I find a place in my shed. And there's a nice little place for my, <laughs> right there for that which has been, been given to us. So we were given this little cross by somebody somewhere along the way and my wife found a spot on the wall that needed something there and she put this cross up that says God loves you and I'm laying there in bed and all of this grief and pain and hurting and sorrow and I turn to the wall and it says God loves you and I say, do you really? I mean, would I be here now if you loved me? Would my wife be gone if you loved her? And all of a sudden, as I look here at verse five, and Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, I realize suddenly that they are a type of what we all go through. See, death is a common denominator among us. Whether you die at 10 days old, 20 years old, 40 years old or 100 years old, you will leave Mary and Martha's behind you. You will leave those, unless by the time you're 100, you've isolated everybody and you're an awful person and nobody cares. <laughs> but other than that, you are going to leave hurting, grieving people behind you. And all of a sudden, I realize that this passage is a passage for those who are left behind. God is saying, look, I loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and God loved Lisa and loves me. And yet I am going through what people in the church have gone through for centuries. And, and if the Lord tarries, we'll go through as well. And the common denominator here among us, I've said before, the statistics on death are staggering. One out of every one person dies. I say in our New Year's Eve service on a regular basis, listen, in a room this size with this many people, this time next year, some of us will not be here. And I didn't say that as a, a prophetic word. I wasn't saying, thus says the Lord, some of you guys here are going to die. But it's true. In a room this size, with this many people in it, 
Within a year, some of us will not be here. That is the truth. Little did I know that as I said that a year ago, that I was in a way prophesying my wife and what would happen to her, that she would not be there. It should rattle us. It should really help us to understand life is indeed short. James said, our life's but a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. So Jesus loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he doesn't answer their prayer. That sometimes doesn't compute to us, does it? If he loves us, he would answer our prayers. If he loves me, he wouldn't let me be in the pain that I'm in now. If he loves me, he wouldn't let my children be going through what my children are going through now. But he does love us. And he has a plan. Verse 7, then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Now, they argue with him because people have been trying to kill him in Judea. And finally, he says to them boldly, he tries to explain to them why they're going back and they don't get it. They're like a 10th grader in an algebra class, just staring at him. And in verse 14, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, he had said in verse 4, this sickness is not unto death. But now he says Lazarus is dead. He now speaks of these two different perspectives the perspective of God upon death and the perspective of a man upon death. Two, two days before my wife died, she said to me, I want you here with me when I die. And it was a little bit of a frustrating moment for me. And I, I said to her, how can I assure that? How can I promise you that? How can I, you know, I, you know you're, you're doing things, you're around, you're doing things for her, family's there to help. What, what do I do? Just stay here, don't leave, don't ever move? What, what do I do? Well, God's good. And even though I didn't stay by her bed for the next 48 hours, I was there when I noticed her breath beginning to change. And I thought, this is it. And I knelt down by her bed and I watched her breathe her last. And at the moment I knelt there and I called out her name and, I, and I, she opened her eyes and she breathed and then she never, she breathed it out. She never took another breath. And I opened her eyes and they were fixed and they were dilated and she was gone. But from God's perspective, something else happened. From Lisa's perspective, she never died. For at the moment she heard me saying, Lisa, 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 in my panic at her last breath, God welcomed her into heaven. And, and she had been in pain and she had had a lack of clarity from the pain drugs. Even in the last few days, she didn't want the pain drugs. She just, she fought it to the very last because it made her cloudy. And she didn't want to be cloudy. She wanted to be with us and she wanted to be with her children and her grandchildren. She wanted to be, she, so she didn't want it, but she had to have it because of the pain. So she really struggled with that. So there was a lack of clarity in those last 24 hours. They weren't good hours. But at the moment that she died, the Bible says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of the saints. There was a sudden clarity in the presence of God. Lisa never died. To me, she died and I grieve. But to God, she lives. 
and she lives on. And that's the, the perspective that, that changed. And so Jesus goes to Galilee and he, he gets there and Martha runs out to meet him. And, and Martha, look at verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's a true statement from her perspective. Remember that Jesus had said, I, Lazarus is dead. He went on to say, and I'm glad I wasn't there, which is an interesting statement. Had he been there, he would have not had him die. But I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can believe the whole. There's one word that makes its way through this whole text. And it is the word believe. He wants us to believe. And so she says, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But then she says, but even now, even in her grief, even in not knowing what's going on and what she knows about Jesus and the miracle worker that's in front of her and what's happened in her life and that Lazarus has died, even though they're part of the miracle working team of Jesus, there's this death in their life. And she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She's got this, this struggle in her mind. God can heal and God could heal and God loves Lazarus, but he didn't heal. And if you'd been here, he would have been, been healed, but, but he hasn't. And I've got to say that I've gone through that same struggle. God, why didn't you heal her? And why wouldn't you heal her? And she's done so much for you. And she said, why? What's going on? And I, but yet I know. The night before her memorial service, I found myself laying in bed and I said, why, why couldn't we, I've just gone with her? Or why couldn't it have just been an auto wreck? I have a life insurance policy on me. And I said, the kids could have got the life insurance policy and it would have been great. Why couldn't I have just go? And I told you I'd watched her last breath. And so I breathed out my breath and I held it, not taking another one. And I said, just take me. And God spoke to me while I'm holding my breath like a dummy. <laughs> Don't you trust me? And I said, yeah, Lord, I do trust you. I don't understand it at all, but I trust you. That's Martha. Lord, had you been here, he wouldn't have died. But even now I know whatever you ask God, he'll do for you. And she's got this, what she knows about God, what she knows about Jesus doesn't compute to the world that she's living in. And we have that. That happens to us. We have those kind of struggles. And I think Martha becomes a type of me. Martha becomes a type of you when we don't understand the grief and the sorrow that we face. And so Jesus says to Martha in verse 23, your brother will rise again. That gets right to the heart of the issue, doesn't it? I'm going to see Lisa again. Her body will actually be resurrected and God will change it. And she'll be reunited with us and me. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, and this is a powerful verse. In fact, if you're going to memorize any verse in the Bible, if you've never memorized a verse, let this be the first one. Verse 15, I am. Remember the name of God in the Old Testament? Yahweh, I am that I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Lazarus is the type of every believer that has lived and died and will be resurrected. If you believe in Jesus, 
then you will, even though you die, you will live. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kgun 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.